I spoke to my dad yesterday, and he is doing much better. He has about two more weeks in the nursing home, and they're hoping he'll be able to come home. So thank you all for uh, praying for him. I really do appreciate it. And hopefully he'll be here this summer to come up for a week to visit. So that'd be great if he can. If you have uh, your Bible, please open it to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 17 today. Verses 7 through 17. Jesus issues a clear call to his church, to his people. To this church, to you, to me, to the church in America, and to every believer in America, Jesus has issued a clear call, regardless of our denomination. We all have this same call. It's a call that comes to us after the call to faith. Once you come to faith in Jesus, there's also another call that he calls us to. It's a call to be his prophetic witnesses in a fallen and broken world. That is a call that every believer in this country has. Every church in this country has that call to be a prophetic witness of Christ. He says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that he has commanded. And he says, behold, he is with you always to the end of the age. Think about those words, those great commissioning words. And look at the state of the church in America. Is she living out her prophetic responsibility? Really. Regardless of denomination, is she really living out her prophetic responsibility? Is she truly a prophetic witness of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Now, there are periods in American history when the church did well. And there are also periods when, you know, she didn't do quite well at all. She didn't. And I believe we're in a period now where she is struggling to hold on to her prophetic voice in our culture. She isn't a prophetic church. She's a church on the run. Running from the Lord. Doing what she wants to do. Doing what she feels is right. Just like Jonah who is currently on the run the Lord, doing what he wants to do, refusing to submit to the Lord's call over his life. Please understand, the Lord will only let us run so far. He will only let us run so far. Eventually, he's going to stop us in our tracks. You, me, Jonah, the church in our country, has to be brought to a place of real brokenness. Only a broken church would be a prophetic church. Think about that. Only a broken church would truly be a prophetic church. The church in America isn't broken. We're too high up. We're entitled, but we ain't broken. 
Only broken believers will be a prophetic witness to Jesus, and God will do it. He will break us, and brokenness will come, just like it came to Jonah, because you can only run so far before the Lord intervenes. Remember Jonah, he, he sleeps peacefully below the deck of the ship as the perfect storm rages upon the sea. He's asleep, unaware of what is happening right above him. So it takes his pagan captain, goes down below the deck of the ship, and when he gets below the deck of the ship, what does he see? What is Jonah doing? Is he reading his Bible? What is he doing? He's asleep. Asleep. The captain is beside himself, and out of frustration, the captain calls out to Jonah and commands him, man, get up. And what are you doing? Call out to your God that he might save us. And Jonah doesn't call out to Yahweh. He doesn't call out. He doesn't respond. Why? Because he's a prophet on the run, unwilling to submit to Yahweh. And however, Yahweh is getting ready to stop Jonah in his tracks. And he does so. Beginning in verse 7. And the sailors said to one another, Let us come cast lots, that we may know on whose account this disaster has come upon us. So they cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this disaster has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more powerful. And he said to them, Pick me up, hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more powerful against them. Therefore they called out to Yahweh, O Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. In verse 17, And Yahweh appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father God, I need your spirit, Lord, to come and take uh, these words that would be preached to apply them to our hearts. There is no substitute for the spirit, Father. There is no substitute. There is only one Holy Spirit. And if he does not move today, if he does not convict today, if he does not bring encouragement today, then none of those things will happen. 
So, Holy Spirit, I humble myself before you, and I ask you to come and take these words, foolishness that they may be, use them to bring glory to Christ and to strengthen Christ's people. I pray that you would do it. And in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Jonah is a prophet on the run, getting ready to be exposed by the Lord. For the Lord exposes him. He exposes the prophet. And as I said last week, you know, after the captain didn't get any response from Jonah or any assistance from Jonah, he and the other crew come together to, to, to do a common practice in the ancient world, and that was to cast lots. And casting lots in the ancient world was a way of making decisions, a way to dis- discern the will of the gods. And so it's a decision-making process. It's not about knowing the future. It's about helping you discern the will of the gods. And it's a system that Jonah is familiar with this system. It's one that Israel even practiced. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from Yahweh. Every decision is from Yahweh. The lots are going to reveal the person who is at fault on the ship. The sailors, the sailors know someone is guilty. They just don't know who it is yet. So the lots is going to help them. And when they cast them, they fail to Jonah. Now the prophet on the run is now a prophet exposed. And remember, eventually Yahweh stops us in our tracks. Just like he's doing Jonah here. Jonah fully knows, I believe, what is happening. But Jonah is not a green prophet. He's not a rookie prophet. He knows that Yahweh does not let his people disobey him without him intervening eventually. He's a prophet. He knows these things. And this is what the Lord is doing here. He is, the Lord does not remain silent when his people flee from what he calls them to do. Eventually, he intervenes. Eventually, he exposes us. Just like he does Jonah. He intervenes. Job 12:22 says, the Lord uncovers the depths out of the darkness and brings deep darkness to light. That's what he's doing with Jonah. Bringing his sin of rebellion to light. Luke 8:17 says, For nothing is hidden that would not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that would not be made known and come to light. Jonah's sin of rebellion is catching up to him. It's catching up with him. The Lord is bringing it to the light. He's the guilty party. And he's the reason the perfect storm rages upon the sea. Their lives, these pagan sailors, their lives are at risk because of Jonah's sin. Because of his sin. Look at yourself individually. Are you on the run from the Lord God about something? Is he currently exposing you for something? Is he revealing some secret sin in your life that the other people around you don't see? Has your sin put other people in jeopardy? Like Jonah's sin has done these pagan sailors. How do you respond when the lots fall to you? Just like the lots fell to Jonah. Look at the church in America. Look at her. She is a church on the run. A church on the run. She's blind and spoiled by the religious freedoms and privileges that we have. 
and living in a first world country like America. She segregated beyond uh, along denominational, racial, economical, and political lines. She's a segregated church in America. Please know that. She's defined more than what she's against and what she's for. Lives for self-preservation instead of reformation. Entertainment instead of worship. Social club instead of community. Consumes instead of serves. Silent when she needs to be vocal. Entitled instead of grateful. Sells out just to be politically correct. A lot of church sells out to be politically correct. Storms are raging in America because the church is on the run. The church is on the run. The storms of racism. A lot of that's the church's fault. The storms of poverty. Some of that's our fault. Storms of political divisions. Some of that's our fault. The storms of sexual sin and gender identity, some of that is our fault because we compromise the truth to be politically correct. Eventually, the lots are going to fall at our feet at the church in America. Eventually, it will. And when it does, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Do we have the humility to be exposed? when the chips fall our way. After Jonah's exposed by through this caste system, the sailors, they zero in on Jonah. They don't attack him. They don't beat him up. They demand answers. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. And they have to ask him a series of questions because they want to know Jonah's identity. Who is this strange man beneath the deck of the ship? Who is he? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Oh, what people are you? Identify yourself, man. Who are you? And wh- how does he answer them? I am a Hebrew. The literal translation of that uh, is a Hebrew I am. This is a common way that people of Israel referred to themselves when they were dealing with people from different cultures and countries. We are Hebrews. Nancy tells them he fears the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the heavens and the earth and, and the dry land. He's been honest about some things, but he ain't broken yet. He's not broken yet. Remember, he still has not called out to Yahweh yet. He still has not asked the Lord for mercy yet. He says... I fear Yahweh. But if you look at Jonah's actions, is it true? Is he currently living as a prophet who fears Yahweh? Currently, he does not. One commentator says, Jonah's acknowledgement of Yahweh is ice cold. It's an ice cold acknowledgement of him. That's pretty harsh. It's not sincere, he says. Look at the pronouns Jonah uses here. I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. Even in his confession here, who's at the center? Who's the focus? He is. Now, there's nothing wrong with a person's um, ethnic identity, but if it becomes a badge of pride, then it is an issue. It is an issue. I am a Hebrew. I don't sense humility 
in that action. A Hebrew I am. The last person I know who used the I am statement was Yahweh to identify himself. He does acknowledge his sin. He tells the sailors that he, 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 he's fled from the Lord. He acknowledges that what he's done wrong. But here's the thing. Acknowledgement and repentance are two different things. Sometimes you acknowledge that because you just got caught. Jonah just got caught. But when you get caught, you got to come clean. He has no choice but to come clean. But repentance and acknowledgement are two different things. You see, behind you running from the Lord is a restless heart trying to find identity in anything but Jesus. What are your I am statements of your identity? What are they? Who are you before you get to you are a child of God? How many I am's you put before you get to I'm a believer? What is it? What are they? I'm an American. I'm a Southern. I'm Latin. I'm African American. I'm Caucasian. I'm this. I'm that. What are you? What are, what are the I am statements of the church's identity in America? How does the church define herself in America? Well, we are a conservative church. Well, we are a liberal church. We are a progressive church. We are a Protestant church. We are a mainstream church. Well, where's Jesus? Any of that. Where is he? When God begins to expose us, if the, our cultural, our identity idols will come to the surface. And they are surfacing in the church in America. You're in a sad place when a pastor can ask you for $65 million for a jet. And you give it. You're in a sad place when a church no longer can say homosexuality is a sin. This is where we are. This is where we are. And the church needs to do a little self-evaluation of herself. We do, a bad, we do a good job of criticizing the government. But we don't look internally and say how much of where we are is our fault. How much of where our culture is and our country is is the church's fault. Because we have failed to be what God has called us to be. How much is it? How much? The spotlight's on Jonah. His sin is the cause of the storm. And now the sailors want to know what they have to do to him to make the storm go away. He tells them, pick me up and throw me in the water. And when you do that, the storm will cease. And my question when I read that is, is that the only solution Jonah has? Is, is that the only solution? Pick me up, throw me in the sea. It's one solution, but what else could Jonah have done besides that? He, he, he basically saying, I won't, just kill me. This is what he's telling me. I want to die. He chooses death other than calling out to Yahweh for help. He still has the option to do what the pagan captain commanded him to do. Call out to your God for help that he might save us. Jonah still can repent. Jonah still can humble himself 
and call out to Yahweh. But he doesn't because he's not broken enough yet. He's not broken enough yet. Yahweh exposes sin in order to convict us to repentance. Remember that. He's exposing the sins of the church so that the church will repent of her sins. Not to shame us, but so we will repent. But will we repent? Will we acknowledge it? Will we own it? Nehemiah 9, 7 says, But you are a God ready to forgive. Oh, I love that. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. But do we want that? Yahweh of Elohim, he is, he is that as well, but he's also merciful, full of grace, ready to forgive if we were asking for it. He knows you. He knows me. He knows that, that we are but dust. Another commentator says, Jonah doesn't pray. Jonah doesn't confess his guilt. Jonah doesn't offer a pleas for mercy and salvation for himself or the, or the sailors. His only solution is death. That's what Jonah chooses, is death. How, I mean, look how far Jonah has fallen from the Lord that he won't even call out for help. How far have you fallen? Have you fallen that far yet? Has the church in America fallen that far yet? To a place where we no longer ask the Lord for help. Have we? Where are we? Yahweh exposes sin of her runner, of his runaway church in order that she might be convicted to repentance. The question is, will we repent? Or will we continue to wander from him? Will we? The sailors that Jonah told to throw, throw him overboard, they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to sacrifice Jonah's life. They didn't, want, they didn't want to kill Jonah. But they tried to get back to dry land, but the storm worked against them eventually. They had to throw him overboard. And when he did, the storm ceased. And so right now, Jonah is in the middle of the ocean with no hope of survival. And as I said last week, the, you know, the Coast Guard ain't coming to save him. He's out there. But what's going to happen to Jonah while he's in this sea, is that now he is at rock bottom. Rock bottom. He's in a low position. Rock bottom with no hope of salvation. And it's in the sea where Jonah finally comes to an end of himself. The sea does what the storm couldn't do. It breaks Jonah. It brings him to a place of utter weakness. And that's probably what it's going to take for the church in America to get back where God wants her to be if she's brought to a place of utter weakness. It's probably good that we feel like we no longer have a voice because God could be breaking us so that we'll pray, so that we'll repent, so that we'll be humble, 
and so that we administer out of brokenness. That's probably what he's doing. And so I ask you, are you at rock bottom? Are you at rock bottom? Do you know anyone that's at rock bottom? Do you know anyone that's floating in the sea of their own sin with no hope of salvation, trying their hardest to survive? You see, we have what John doesn't have. We have the whole Bible. We have the New Testament. We, we know who pulls us out of the ocean. It's Jesus who meets you in your rock bottomness. Has you, have you met him yet? Have you really met him yet? Have you really been broken to a place where you realize, if Jesus doesn't save me, I'm done. I'm done. In the Bible Belt, everybody's Christian because we're the Bible Belt. But being born here don't make you a believer. It's who you know that makes you a believer. Do you know him? Being good doesn't make you a believer. Coming to this church doesn't make you a believer. It's who you know that makes you a believer. Do you know him? In faith. But there's only one person who has resurrection power. One. And it's Jesus. Only one that can redeem your kids, that can redeem your grandkids, that can redeem you, and it's Jesus. And if you feel like giving up, if you feel like running away, if you feel like you have wandered off to a place of no return, none of that is true. Because God is ready to forgive. The question is, is, do you have the humility to ask for it? Let us pray. Father, give us the humility to ask you for forgiveness. You already know what we hide from everybody else. Now, we can come here and look good. We can come here and hide it. We can come here and fake it. But you see the depths of our heart. You know who we truly are. Help us to be honest about who we are so that we can go to you and ask for repentance to know that we don't have to pretend to be something we're not. So, Father, give us the grace that we need to be the people you want us to be. And I pray blessings over your church in our country. These are dire times, I believe. And I pray, Father, that you will bring brokenness. And out of that brokenness, you will bring healing, resurrection power that will empower us to be the prophetic witnesses you want us to be. It ain't going to be perfect. But Lord, it could be something that brings glory to your name. And I pray for our friends and families here at the Village Church that they go out about their days and weeks, that you be with them, you will empower them, you will sustain them. I pray for all of our kids, Lord, you would be with them as well and sustain them as well. And I pray for all this in your son's name. Amen.